Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Go check out Morbidly Beautiful right now for all your horror pop culture related stuff. From interviews, reviews, top 10 lists, and everything in between. They have it all. They also have a great library of podcasts, which I highly suggest checking out after you finish up with this episode here. It's been a while since we've talked about any kind of cryptid or monster on this podcast, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Yes, it's going to be all about the beast of Gévaudan in France. So with me being Canadian, this episode is going to be entirely in French. No, that's a bald-faced lie. I'm not going to do that. But what I will do is my best to say things properly. I make no guarantees and I apologize in advance for anything I say incorrectly, so you can get off my back with the comments. Anywho, let's just get on with the episode. This one does touch on a few things that we have talked about in the past, such as mass hysteria and, well, beasts or creatures that are maybe invasive to the environment in which they are stalking. So let's see how this beast compares to some of the ones we've talked about in the past. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. So between 1764 and 1767, a mysterious creature called the Beast ravaged the rural region of Gévaudan in France. About a hundred men, women, and children reportedly fell victim to La Baie du Gévaudan, which I think I pronounced correctly. I could be wrong, but let's go with it. While many French at the time were presumed the beast to be a wolf, and many modern scholars agree, some have suggested that the beast may not be a wolf at all. So, what was this creature? Well, the first reported attack of the beast occurred on June 30th, 1764, when a 14-year-old shepherdess, Jeanne Boulet, tended to a flock of sheep. Boulet was not the creature's first victim. As historian J.M. Smith writes in Monsters of the Gévaudan, about two months prior, a young woman tending cattle was attacked by a creature, quote, like a wolf, yet not like a wolf, unquote. But she escaped because the herd defended her. Isn't it usually the other way around? I didn't know cattle were so loyal, but hey, I'm not a zoologist, as we all know. So let's just continue on. The attacks, like this episode, continued through the summer and into the autumn. According to George M. Eberhardt's 2002 book, Mysterious Creatures, A Guide to Cryptozoology, France was in a slump at the time, on the heels of the Seven Years' War. The nation had lost battles to Prussia and the British, and Louis XV had lost overseas colonies. And the beast offered no shortage of reports in the press about encounters with the animal. The Bete Fourche, or Ferocious Beast, attacked and partially ate women and the young, according to the reports. But lone adult men were also targets. 
just when I thought I was safe. There were so many attacks that some speculated there were in fact two or more of these ferocious beasts lurking the countryside. The terrified populace of Gévaudan did not sit idle, and individual stories of bravery captivated the public. As Smith writes, bounties were offered and hunters combed the countryside, looking for the creature. On October 8, 1764, after a mauling, the beast was seen at Chateau de Les Bombes, stalking a herdsman. Hunters followed the animal into the estate's woods and flushed the animal into the open. The hunters shot a volley of musket fire into the creature, but after a fall, the beast rose and ran off. In a strange twist of events, even children were celebrated for taking on the beast. On January 12, 1765, the beast attacked a 10-year-old by the name of Jacques Potfay and a group of seven friends ranging from ages 8 to 12. However, Portfey led a counterattack with sticks driving off the creature. The children were rewarded by Louis XV, and Portfey was given an education paid by the crown. So something doesn't add up here, if you're following along with me. A volley of musket fire couldn't down this beast, but a ten-year-old with a stick that did the trick. I don't know, something doesn't quite make a whole lot of sense here. One of these things is not like the other. And unless that kid, that Jacques Portfey, is a stickmaster or swings like Casey at the bat, and those musketeers were, well, like stormtroopers and couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, it seems a little fishy. But hey, it's 1765 and people want to believe whatever the hell they want to believe. The children's heroics prompted the court of King Louis the 15th to send royal hunters to destroy the beast. Now that they know it can be downed with sticks, you may as well bring somebody in who's handy with a stick. There was now a 6,000 livre bounty on the creature's head. The story of the beast, meanwhile, was spreading and covered newspapers from Boston to Brussels, becoming one of history's first media sensations. And just a note here, 6,000 livres back in 1765 would be worth approximately $200,000 today, so it wasn't a small amount. Among the most notable tales of bravery was when 19 or 20-year-old Marie Jean Vallée was attacked by the beast on August 11, 1765 while crossing the river Degay with her sister, armed with a bayonet affixed to a pole, also known as a spear, Valet impaled the beast's chest. However, the creature got away. But Valet became known as the Amazon and the maid of Gévaudan. Again, sticks scare this thing away, but bullets do nothing. Interesting. Very interesting. Sounds kind of like a vampire to me, but hey. That's a different episode altogether. On September 20th, 1765, Francois Antoine, the king's 71-year-old gun bearer and his nephew, shot a large wolf near an abbey at Chazay, which was assumed to be the beast. Antoine was awarded 
with money and titles and the corpse of the animal was stuffed and sent to the royal court. But attacks started again in December, according to an account in the 1898 volume of the Parisian Illustrated Review. This time the beast seemed different, at least behaviorally. Where before the creature had been afraid of cattle, this time it showed no fear. Was this then a second beast? And suddenly nobody felt safe again. In typical political fashion, the court chose to ignore these attacks, insisting that Antoine had killed the creature. Finally, a sudden outbreak of attacks in early June of 1767 compelled a local nobleman, the Marquis de Pache, to organize a hunt. On June 19th, one of the hunters, a local man named Jean Chastel, shot a wolf on the slopes of Mount Moucher. An autopsy of the animal revealed human remains inside, and the animal had non-wolf characteristics as described by a witness. The attacks ended, but while it was assumed that the beast Chastel bagged was the beast, the doubt remains that it was indeed a wolf. The beast was consistently described by eyewitnesses as something other than a typical wolf. It was as large as a calf or sometimes a horse. Its coat was reddish gray with a long, strong panther-like tail. The head and legs were short-haired and the color of a deer. It had a black stripe on its back and talons on its feet as quoted by many. Drawings of the beast at the time endow it with lupine characteristics. Witnesses described the beast as an ambush hunter which stalked its prey and seized it by its throat. The wounds found on the bodies were typically to the head and limbs, with the remains of 16 victims reportedly decapitated completely. The creature prowled in the evenings and in the mornings. Historians, scientists, pseudoscientists, and conspiracy theorists all have proposed theories about the beast's origins. Among the suspects, a Eurasian wolf, an armored war dog, a striped hyena, a lion, some kind of prehistoric predator, a werewolf, a dog-wolf hybrid, and of course, the most dangerous animal of all, a human. Of the candidates, the most fanciful, of course, is werewolves, followed by a prehistoric predator of some kind. Smith points out that Chastel purportedly used a silver bullet to slay the wolf, thereby feeding into the werewolf mythology. Also unrealistic is that the beast was an extinct prehistoric predator such as a bear dog, direwolf, or hyenodon. The idea that such large animals would evade detection for thousands to millions of years is just too implausible, at least according to Smith. Although Smith has not heard of Bigfoot, apparently, because he's out there, or they're out there, and we have yet to really get true evidence of them, so just saying. Don't count all your eggs before they're hatched, or however the saying goes. Others have suggested that a human serial killer may be responsible for the attacks. Many of the beast's victims were reportedly to be decapitated, something very few animals could or even would do. While it is unlikely that a killer would roam about for victims in broad daylight wearing a bestial costume, those who support this theory believe that the man or person used an animal to carry out the crimes. But that goes back to the main question, what was the animal? Some have speculated that was 
why the armored war dog was a theory. That would explain its strange appearance and why it shrugged off musket shots, but succumbed to pointy things like spears and sticks. I think we all saw Dark Knight and how he got stabbed and bitten by dogs and Batman didn't like that too much, did he? No, because bulletproof stuff often has gaps for mobility. So if you have armored plates on, there could very well be a spot where you can get stabbed. Be hard to find, but it could happen. But what about the striped hyena? Some descriptions of the beast and the animal slain by Chastel suggest it resembled a striped hyena. It is possible that a striped hyena may have been in a person's private holding and then escaped, similar to the alien big cats situation way back when. Since it was not a native animal to France, it would have appeared unusual. However, striped hyenas are not known to attack humans. However, however, there's a big however here, any animal that is afraid, any animal that is starving, very well will go after a human being. So, could it be that? Not impossible. Animal imports around that time weren't unheard of, especially from the rich or people who, you know, invaded other countries and brought shit back. That happened a lot. Not sure about the 1700s, but it was definitely a possibility. What about a lion? Lions are, after all, the king of the jungle. Maybe even the human jungle. Karl Hans Tack, a biologist and author of the Gévaudan Tragedy, the disastrous campaign of a deported beast, argues the beast may have been an immature male lion. Like the hyena, it is possible that a lion escaped from captivity. The beast reportedly was indeed an ambush hunter that seized prey by the neck and could possibly decapitate victims. A lion, Tak argues, could exhibit these predatory behaviors. Lions have also been known to prey upon humans as food sources, such as the famous case of the Lions of Savo, in which a lion pair killed over 130 victims in under a year. Another supporting fact is that the territory of the beast at roughly 56 by 50 miles aligns with a lion's typical range. Eyewitnesses at the time were likely not familiar with living lions, and what they did know about them came from very stylized imagery. A sub-adult male does not have a fully developed mane and sometimes has a mohawk type of stripe running down its back. This matches the description of the beast by eyewitnesses. One hunter at the time, Jean-Baptiste Duhamel, wrote, quote, You will undoubtedly think, like I do, that this is a monster hybrid, the father of which is a lion. What its mother was remains to be seen. End quote. Of course, one of the most realistic theories here is that this was a wolf. It's most credible, and wolves were in the region at the time. As Smith tells the Smithsonian, Gévaudan had a serious wolf infestation. He believes that a large lone wolf was attacking individual communities across the region, or that it could have even possibly been a wolf pack. Smith asserts that many of the fantastical qualities around the beast were introduced by clergy who stirred up fear in the populace that God was punishing the French for its defeat in the Seven Years' War. For hunters, killing the beast was a way of reclaiming France's lost honor. 
wolves are indeed native to the region and had attacked humans before. Some stats show that wolves attacked humans 9,000 times in France between the 17th and 19th centuries. In most cases, these types of attacks were by rabid wolves. Is there any other kind? There are some potential flaws to the wolf theory, including the frequency of the beast's deadly attacks, suggesting it was not a single rabid wolf. Also, none of its victims seem to have contracted rabies, suggesting that the attacker did not carry rabies. Although there are some strong voices arguing multiple theories about the identity of the beast of Gévaudan, all admit that the truth will never be fully known. At least not without time travel. I'm still hoping on that one. Without any genetic or forensic evidence, the beast of Gévaudan is bound to be forever a mystery. So what do you think it is? I love these kind of little mysteries, these cryptozoological guessing games. Was it a wolf? Was it a lion? Was it a big dog? Was it a serial killer hunting with an armored dog? What was it? Was it fantastical? Was it something out of the Jurassic era? Was it something out of Dungeons and Dragons? What was this beast? Let me know, start a discussion on the Facebook page, or on Twitter, or wherever, just talk about it. Let's find out if you have any other information that I may have missed about the Beast of Gévaudan. Absolutely let me know. See, don't tell me how I say things incorrectly. That's pointless. That's never going to get fixed. Tell me about facts I might have missed. Something in my research that has a hole in it. That I want to know about. That I can better. I can be a better person after that. And while you're at that, why don't you leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts? It's a great way to support the show, and it helps with any sort of discovery other people might have while looking for a show of this nature. And any five-star reviews will be read out on the show, so it's a great way to get a shout-out. I mentioned Facebook a minute ago. Please feel free to follow along on that, at HorrorShots, or on Twitter, at HorrorShotsProd, as in production, or even on Instagram at Ominous Origins Pod. My name is Casey, and this has been the Ominous Origins Podcast. Until next time.